everybody. I'm Mike Westendorf, and welcome to this week's episode of Great Questions, Great Conversations, a podcast that uh, originates out of St. Paul's and the Bridge in Muskego, Wisconsin, where we talk about various questions that we have been uh, asked or that we might be struggling or wrestling with a little bit, uh, and then we just have a conversation about that. Uh, we can't always promise uh, exact answers. More times than not, actually, the conversation begets more questions, but uh, our prayer is that the Holy Spirit would work through uh, this conversation and encourage you. And so today, our question is um, family church. The idea is, what is the family church? How do we describe it? And um, how does it uh, function? How does it matter in the, the big C church world? And so with me today is Pastor Pete Panitsky and our family minister, Paul Schusler, all uh, co-workers of mine and all very passionate about the family church. So I'll just say a quick hello to you guys. Greetings, Mike. Greetings, Paul. Hi, Pastor. Hi, Mike. How are you doing? Good. Good to have you guys here. Last time that we talked, we talked about there are two ideas when we talk about the family church. And one is the biological family. All of us came from a set of parents and we're born into a biological family. And yet uh, we also do life outside of that family. And uh, we call that a functional family. In fact, uh, many times for us as we get older, um, I'm 50 now, we wind up having closer relationships with friends, um, co-workers, uh, small groups, things of that nature than we necessarily do in our biological family. So last time we talked about that picture of the functional family. And today uh, we're going to talk about the biological family church. The idea that when one man and one woman come together under God, uh, a, the smallest version of the body of Christ is born. And Pastor Pete, I was wondering, you know, there's a lot of these pictures, whether it's in Ephesians or Corinthians or Romans, about the body of Christ. As a pastor, thinking about that term, the body of Christ, help us understand that theologically. And then what I'd like to do is I'd like to talk about, first and foremost, applying it to mom and dad at home. Logically, whoa. Uh... Theologically, yeah. What's the body of Christ? I mean, Paul uses that. What, what are we talking about? Oh, okay. You know, it, it's ultimately God's church is everybody who believes in Jesus, right? You know, the the church uh, is really not even the congregation gathered. The church is everybody across the world who believes in Jesus. And if two people believe in Jesus, you know, Jesus said, where two or three are gathered together in my name, there I am with them, Matthew 18. And just celebrating the fact, and the whole idea of family church, just celebrating, oh, wait a second, if a husband and a wife are both Christians, then Jesus promises to be there. That That is the smallest form of uh, the church. The church just means gathering. Ecclesia is just gathering. So two Christians have gathered together and they can have a little church, not that they function separate from the rest of Christians, just recognizing, oh, there's much that I can do in this little church of two of us or three or four, if God gives you children, uh, so much of, of what the church as a whole, the larger body does, I can do, we can do as a, you know, a small body. We can read God's word together. 
We can worship together. We can pray together. We can confess each other to our sins to each other and assure each other of God's forgiveness. And and if you're singers, you can you can enjoy singing. <laughs> and if, you, if you're not, maybe you can listen listen to something. But so much of what we usually think of as the the larger body gathering together, ideally, let us in the smallest gathering of a. Two Christians gathered together, and Jesus is right there with them. That we're doing so much of the same thing, not you know. So it's not just on one Sunday, one day of the week. It's over and over again through the week. We're strengthening and encouraging each other. You know, Paul, when we uh, you you came on on board uh, now over a year ago, and and we'd been using this idea of the family church. When you hear family church within the sense of um, husband and wife. Um, what do you hear in that? What comes to mind? What inspires you when you hear that idea that husband and wife are a family church? Thanks for that great explanation of what it entails. I, you know, very similarly, it, it's kind of working it out or working God's truth into your daily rhythms, right? Over and over again with the kids and over and over again with each other. And really that's that's the beauty of it is that it's rather than an isolated event, um, which sometimes Sunday can kind of seem it's unique in its size and scope and, and you know, the, the, the production level of it, but, or the volume of it, but, you know, in the everyday ebb and flow of life, just to, to have God's word present, right? And to remind each other of who we are in him and to encourage children to get to know that story of know, but... God loving them so much, you know, and it, it, it really is just a matter of how do you, you know, how do you, how do you make it just a normal part of your everyday life, right? Talking about God's word, sharing it with other people. See, see, you know, I, I, this idea of hands coming or praying over each other and, and hands turned out praying with each other, right? That just, just encouraging in, in, in the way that we should go with God with us. So I, I, I personally, I love the idea, you know, and, and I'm glad we're, we're, we're making it a priority to discuss it and share it with the people of St. Paul's. I want to dive right into one of the, the the big tensions that come out. And and when when I first really was challenged with this, I uh, was in a conference in 2011. Speaker comes out and he looks all the dads, you know, and he just he's, he was he was kind of going this direction. And all of a sudden he just stopped and he said, dads, pastor your families. And I remember having a reaction to that that was um, rather negative. Um, I. I, I felt like he had stepped over a line when I first heard that because I didn't go to seminary. Um, I'm not a pastor. You know, I have pastors who are my pastors and are my kids' pastors. And yet, as I went through the the conference and I just started seeing, uh, we had they had a resource. It was called the One Minute Bible. And I decided to take it home and actually start to try to make this a part of the, the daily rhythm. But it took me probably a good six months to kind of get that out of my head that I'm, I'm not a pastor and I'm in the church. I'm like, I'm working with the church. I can only imagine. And I've heard other people say, no, I am not a pastor. 
And so, Pastor Pete, can we say, can we call a mom and a dad, a Christian mom, a Christian dad, um, are they really a pastor? Let's drop the Latin and use a different word. Pastor comes from Latin, right? How about shepherd? Are are you your your children's spiritual shepherd? Are you a spiritual shepherd for uh, your spouse? And I think that you'd go, well, I, I think a shepherd cares for his sheep. I care for my kids. Oh, and you're a spiritual person? Then you then you're a spiritual shepherd. Mm-hmm. Oh, that makes you a pastor. But let's just use shepherd. You know, you know it, it doesn't <laughs> if make If it freaks difference. you out. Yeah. yeah, it freaks you out. That's okay. Um, and and uh, something that uh, Dave said, oh, many months ago uh, in a devotion once, he, he just said, you know, that as he worked out in the secular world, nobody really knew needed to know what he knew because he was a seminary trained person. Mm-hmm. Uh, what they needed to know is Jesus loved them. You know, and, and sometimes we put so much pressure on ourselves and, and moms and dads, uh, I pray that you can claim the, the certainty that, that Jesus loves you and has forgiven you as a, you know, mom and a dad, because there's nothing more guilt provoking than being a mom and a dad. Oh, because golly, no. your, your kids deserve perfect parents, and the harder you try, the more you're going to fail. So, so, so claim, claim Jesus loves you, mom and dad, and as you claim that for yourself, it will ooze out of you, and your kids will see, oh, Jesus loves me too, and that's that's all we really need to know, right? Paul, when uh, I know that you've been doing some work, I, I taught confirmation classes for four years for um, our public school. And one of the favorite things was to sit down with parents and just kind of go through this idea of the family church and that you are a pastor in the family church. You're actually a more influential pastor than me uh, teaching one day a week or Pastor Pete, who's preaching one day a week. Um, what is What's the reaction as you share that with with um, parents uh, when you when you start talking a, about it in those shepherding terms? Are they excited about it? Are they overwhelmed? Um, what do you get the sense from? It, 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 there's recognition of the responsibility, you know, and and the 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 value of taking on the responsibility. But it is it's it's tough, you know, when you've when you've got a a whole herd of sheep running around the house and they all have different needs and wants and they all have different schedules, you know, and, and there are a lot of demands on your time. Plus you, you've got to, you've got to manage working and providing and, you know, all the responsibilities of being an adult. And now you've got all these little bodies to care for and take care of that. It it can be challenging to, to, to figure out how to to get God's word into the norm of life you know and so w- what I've been doing is is just trying to to because I I can relate you know four kids at home and and you're 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 running to and fro all the time and trying to make sure everybody's doing okay and you're like how do how do we how do we create space 
for this to to happen. And and so, you know, a lot a lot of times you look at the Christian life. There's a lot to talk about. The Bible is a it's a big long book, but you know, Pete, you're really good at doing this. Just you just narrow it down to to the the foundational starting steps of you know praying with your kids and i you know i just i just talk about this simple the simple things to do create a little space to just read god's word together you know um what are you guys talking about in the car on the way to school or the way to sports you know whatever it might be where has god influenced you or made an impression for you you know how how can you just be strategic or conscientious about you know making it part of your conversation so i you know there's the just trying to to simplify the aspect of a little bit you know a little bit at a time and just make it present in your everyday life as a constant reminder that god is there just like your parents are going to be here for you and we want you to we want you to 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 know each other you know so you've kind of moved into the the space of of you know how do we do it but your general thought though is that people recognize that this is part of what we've been called to do as parents yeah yeah and yeah. you know a lot, okay. of, a lot of a lot of the, a lot of the parents have been have been raised in the church so they know how important it is they themselves went through confirmation you know the value of formally learning about the bible's teaching and and so they they see how important it is and they want to pass that on to their kids um but you know the busyness of life can be it, it's challenging how you actually you you integrate it into right. so let's 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 kind of jump into that a little bit one of the things uh pastor Pete that i i remember feeling as i was going through this is is kind of the overwhelmedness of of this uh, at the time when this happened my youngest was Oh boy, that was 12 years ago now. So yeah, he was like six um, when this really hit home to me. So then I, I, that means I had six, 10 and 12 at home when I finally like this, this started to hit me and there was a Bible passage that um, probably it was shortly after this that it hit me hardest. And then I started wanting to kind of like, all right, well, how do I get better at this? And it was from first Timothy uh, chapter four. And I'll just, I'll just read this to you because this all of a sudden became a, this is when I quite frankly went from being a shepherd, which is like, oh yeah, I can, I can tuck the kids in at night and sing a lullaby and do a little prayer to no, I, I need to own the idea of being a pastor. Um, and it, it says this um, verse, uh, I'll just pick up chapter four, verse 12 and first Timothy. Uh, Don't look at, let anyone look down on you because you are young young parent, young married person, but set an example for the believers in speech, in life, in love, in faith, and in purity. Until I come, devote yourself to the public reading of scripture, to preaching and to teaching. And while he's talking to a young pastor, I thought that was, ooh, kind of interesting for me as a family pastor. Don't uh, devote yourself to public reading, i.e. out loud with my family, preaching and teaching. Do not neglect your gift. Uh, which was given you through a prophetic message when the body of elders laid their hands on you. And here's the one that really hit me, verse 15. Um, Be diligent in these matters. Give yourself wholly to them so that everyone may see your progress. And I loved 16. Watch your life and your doctrine closely. Persevere in them, 
Because if you do, you will save both yourself and your hearers. And Pastor Pete, that line all of a sudden felt like God drawing a line in the sand and saying, are you going to dabble in this, Mike? Are you going to take this role a little bit more seriously? And I got scared um, because I started thinking, yeah, the weight of all my failures um, became apparent. But I wanted to know how do I grow in this? And so you've you've been doing this a lot longer than than I have. What what's the counsel that you give to a parent who realizes now this really is a serious job? Where do I start with this? How important is it? What are some of those steps? I'd like to hear from you, Pastor Pete, and then. Paul be thinking about some of the things that you're you're thinking too. Well, again, first of all, claim Christ's forgiveness. I mean, the devil wants us to do stuff out of guilt. Mm-hmm. And when we do stuff out of guilt, it is really hard to keep doing it. But if we're doing it out of, you know, I'm a forgiven child of God, and I want my kids to experience that too. And as a pastor, there were lots of days that I wasn't doing it because I love Jesus. It was just, okay, this is what we do. <laughs> um, but, you know, start there with, you know, claim, claim you are forgiven. You're a perfect dad and a perfect mom in Jesus' sight because your sins have been washed away. And then start start small. I, I just think that people have this idea that family devotions is... Uh, you know, way beyond you, and 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 we hear things from others, and we make that the rule, and then we fall flat. Can I give you an example? Yeah, of, please. For me, as a sem- as a as a as a pastor going through the seminary, so one of my seminary profs said I spend an hour on Greek and Hebrew every morning. He was just sharing what his custom was. Right. What I heard was, that's what you're supposed to do. I had another pastor who said, I never go home until I've made five evangelism conversations in a day. That was his practice, but suddenly that became, this is what a pastor does. And you listen to all of these things, that this is what a Christian parent does. And no Christian parent does it, but but the burden of guilt is overwhelming. And just go, wait a second, you know, uh, they were telling you what happened on their best day, first of all. On their best day, yeah. like Instagram. Yeah, yeah. You remember the 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 highlight reels and the agony of defeat reels? You know, they didn't share with you know all you're listening to is the highlight reels. They have lots of agony of defeat reels that you are you know, you know, the devil is throwing back in your head. Right. But then but then okay, what's one little thing that I can do? an example that uh Sigbert Becker said. He had a Bible, and he stuck it underneath the table. Uh, on you know, there was a, a little shelf underneath the kitchen table where they ate. And so, when they were done eating, it was just really easy for him to reach on under the table and pull out the Bible, and you know, you read a little bit. Mm-hmm. And and that's what I did. Uh, and uh, you know. You read a little bit every day. You, you end up reading a lot. So, uh, at the GLS, somebody said, "You know, do something for, you know, two minutes a day." Um, what, what's, 
maybe the first step is just to start the habit. Put the Bible or devotion book someplace underneath that table. And every day when you sit down at that table with your family, just reach up and touch it. Yeah. Don't don't take it out. Just reach out and touch it. It's just a reminder. Oh, yeah, that's the direction that I'm going. You break it down. Okay, that for a week, I've just touched it. You know, hey, kids, you know, I've been touching this Bible for a week. I, I think maybe as you don't eat, break it down. Cut yourself some slack. Mm-hmm. That's how I would start. Forgiven, make it small. I I appreciate that idea, too, that you read this this book or you get that podcast or you see this email, you get that Instagram short on here are some different things that you can do. And the uh, Satan wants to say, yeah, let's get you to do all 30 of them right at the same time. Um, I read, I read this passage because this one was a little bit longer, you know, further into my, uh, my own journey with this. My start was a, that, that one minute Bible. Um, It literally was after dinner, we read that because that was the one time when at least at that age, anyway, 12, 10 and mm-hmm. six that we still ate together at a table. Um, we were all together. We opened it. It wasn't a huge time commitment, but there we were in God's word at a simple level that they could understand. And then as we got older, um, we found that we no longer were eating meals together, but we said opening God's word was important. So with that same one minute Bible, we started doing it before school just to try to have have that um paul you've been doing i know some work on research and stuff like that to be able to get people started in simplicity what are a couple of things that you've seen or that you've researched that um are just suggestions for parents who are trying to get started being a pastor at home yeah well it's a it's a pretty neat you know one of the benefits of technology is that uh you can you can make pretty cool books now, you know? And Mm -hmm. um, so there's been a lot of really neat, simple books that are accessible to children of all ages and and families that make exploring the Bible a a, a lot more vibrant, you know, and and much easier to access. And and so I'll step away for a second and just give the visual example, but... I'm hoping that he's grabbing his comic book Bible. Well, yeah, the comic, the comic book Bible, right? Like, look at, look at that, you know, you're the, the action Bible. So it's, you know, it's a lot less text and it's a lot more relatable to kids. And so you see, you, you see a story develop and you see, you get the names of the characters, but the text is small. The pictures are big. So it's interesting. And what's cool it's it's interesting for adults too you know because the stories are short you know there's summaries of larger sections of of scripture but you know they're really well done and they tell a neat story and it, it gets people into the bible which is great um you know the original the the whole idea of this one the action bible is you know god was the original superhero right and Christians become superheroes becoming part of his story because they get to rely on his power to 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 live life right because on our own we're as as you've mentioned many times Pete we just we fall flat on our face constantly um you know so it it it's been neat to discover stuff like this and and the hope is is that we're we're 
in, in a short amount of time getting all these resources up for families, you know, on our website, recommended resources that are that are very accessible, very easy to start with and engaging for the family too. So, and and that's really what it starts with is just, just a simple step to give it a try. You know, pray, praying is not a natural thing for anybody. And, you know, depending on where you're at or how old your kids are, you know, starting that can be, that can be a scary thing or a challenging thing because, you know, people are like, what are you doing? And um, my kids have been doing this for years and they're still like, dad, come on. And, uh, you know, <laughs> so it's 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 just a matter of small but sweet. So it, what we do is now we ask them to step into that space. So w- would you guys like to pray, you know, and and we invite them into the process and they they get to think through it. And it's it's a lot more engaging on their parts then because they're the ones who are responsible for sharing on behalf of everybody else you know and it's 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 just those small baby steps really pete you said you know the the atomic habits right one percent every day leads up to a whole lot over the course of a year slash month slash week right you're just little steps toward the goal of building our lives on god's word right that's good you know the the thought it is i had put some notes together for the family church was um well what do we do at what do we do at church you know so there's a couple of big things that we do we we um we do worship where the means of grace god's word um and the sacraments uh communion and baptism are present um those are the means that god uses to build faith and to grow faith and to spark faith um and so church does that, the big C church, I'll call it just, I'll just call it the big C church when we all gather together. Um, we also do um, discipleship work where we're encouraging one another. We pray for one another. Um, and then there is the idea of serving our community, our greater community, the people who don't know us, the whole great commission idea. And as I've been thinking about that and we started doing it in our family a little bit more, uh, the two questions I want to just uh, touch on a little bit is the idea of what does worship at home look like, and what does it what does it look like for my neighborhood to be my mission field, um, and I, with this idea, Pastor, um, the what happens on Sunday it's best if it's if if it's it's taken home or what's happening at home you see show up on sunday and that's one of the things i just think so powerful about that idea of worship and to simplify it lutheran pastors have given me this this basic description of worship god comes to us through the means of grace and his people respond to him and to one another about him that's our liturgy that's worship uh i always like that cuz it's simple and it's mathematical <laughs> i could i could get my head around that so what is worship, uh, the importance of worship at church and, and worship at home? What What is that like in your experience? I, I'm smiling because I am going, I think that's a pretty individualistic thing, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, I couldn't imagine worship in the Wessendorf household not including music. <laughs> I couldn't imagine worship in the Strobel family, not including music, because you guys, I've been in meetings with you guys where songs and music is just comes to your head. 
you know, and, and when my kids were little, it's like, okay, we're going to sing hymns. And it's just like, that was so artificial. That was so not me. Yeah. Um, so I think it looks different in every, every family and that that's okay. You, you have that key, the core parts of, you know, I'm, I'm allowing God to speak to me. I mean, that's the, that's the key. Yeah. So often when you, what's your spiritual life like? Well, I pray. It's like, well, the wrong person is doing most of the talking, right? <laughs> there it is. Yep. Yeah. I'm because, writing that down. Yeah. God, I need to hear God. Hear God. And so there's got to be word involved in it somehow. And it can be Bible or, you know, Paul, the, you know, some of the resources that you're talking about where, you, you know, let's put the Bible in a little bit more uh, understandable fashion, you know, or whatever. Uh, but God speaks to us. We speak to God back in some way. And some people will just go, I can't put two words together. That's okay. Pray the Lord's Prayer really slowly. Mm. You know, uh, in fact, sometimes just saying this is part of our prayer life, when, when it's just this is the what we do is we pray together. And even when you as a family are angry, it's really hard to say, okay, we're all angry with each other. Let's pray. Mm. But it's relatively easy to say, well, we always pray the Lord's Prayer. Forgive us. <laughs> you start to choke. It's like, <laughs> okay, God, I got to, you know, I, I have to apologize. You know, so there, there's, there's strength in having some of the same things that you say over and over again. The Lord's Prayer or Luther's Evening Prayer. Joni and I use that. So... It, it there is no this is the way the family worships what works mm -hmm. for you as long as you're listening to god and you have an opportunity to talk back to him i i'm, I'm again i just those of you who are listening if you're writing down notes or if you're making a mental note um i like how you said it are we listening to god and then what was the second part and Taking time and to speak speaking back, back, to, back to him. Time to speak. But that's back just to another him. way that you said what you said, though. Yeah. Or. Well, I, I, yeah, God comes to us; His people respond. But I, I like that. Are Are we taking time to listen to God? And that means, is my Bible open? You know, and I'm going to go back to something you and I, Pete, we talked about eh, several episodes back. Just, um. And Paul, we've talked a little bit about this too, just the importance of just simply being in God's word. Um, there are a lot of commentaries. There are a lot of devotions and things of that nature. And those are good and helpful. Um, you had mentioned that one of the things that's part of your practice, it's not a law. So for those of you who are listening, don't take this that way. But I, it was helpful. It was instructive to me because, again, I'm kind of like, I want to see the commentary that's going to answer the question that I have instead of just simply opening the Bible and letting God speak. And so you'd mentioned that you start with just a basic Bible, right? A uh, little commentary. This is, some, this is something that we're taught at the seminary. Think, you know, you know, read the Bible, let the Bible speak to you, and then read a commentary because commentary is a conversation that you're having. 
and you can't have a conversation that, you know, if, if the commentary is the first person who speaks and you haven't had a chance to think about it, you'll only be able to hear it from commentary's point of view. So give yourself some time to think, and then you have an idea about the text, and then you read a commentary, oh, somebody's having a conversation with you, and you can go, hmm, I didn't think about that, or, oh, yeah, I thought about that, or I disagree. But if you go right to the commentary, that's that's all you'll see. You won't. It's hard to think of it opposite the com, or you know, aside from what the commentary says, because that just fills your head. Yeah, yeah. No, so I that, really... that's, semin, that's seminary professor, uh, uh, seminary teaching about sermon preparation. Don't read the commentaries first. <laughs> yeah, and that's it. That I love that. Are we listening to God? And I, I don't know. I mean, there's a lot of great devotions out there and kudos to all of you who are using them. I personally did struggle with devotions and I didn't, it wasn't until I was older why I, I oftentimes felt kind of like cheated a little bit. And I never put the two and two together until about four or five years ago. I'm almost 50 now. <laughs> so that, that reading the Bible for myself was really important. Um, because I, I did filter so much of what else was said. And then I didn't think much about it. I, I, I wasn't getting out of quality time out of being with God. That's just me for me. And on the flip side, and I, well, sorry, Paul, I'm just jumping in right away. But, but on the flip side, if you are at a point as you're listening to this and you go, I don't get anything reading out of the Bible Yeah, and focus for, you know, you know, part of that is uh, I don't like, you know, I don't re use a Bible that has a commentary because I don't want to be tempted to look at the commentary right away. But by God's grace, I've had a, I've had a, a long time of being able to read and I've read a lot of other stuff before. So, again, there is no right or wrong way, just so you're using the word. And if somebody is spoon feeding you, from a commentary or devotion, that's okay. We were all spoon-fed as kids. <laughs> that's okay. Paul, what are you? What are your thoughts on this idea of worship at home? Yeah, I, uh, it it is unique to everybody. You know, depending on how much familiarity you have with the Bible and and where your family is together, and you know what what your what your your schedule looks like, you know, I, th I think one of the huge blessings of technology too, is that we technically all carry a Bible around in our pocket that we can access at any time. And, you know, like the Version app has been out for a long time and continues to get better. And it's got a lot of different translations, uh, you know, on it. Mm -hmm. And, you know, personally, I've found that as you, as you hop through and Pete, you can jump into this when you want, but you know, that some translations are a little easier to, 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 to get into and read, you know, and, and so I found personally that that's helped. And I got to the point too, um, you guys can laugh at this, but I found the Bible really hard to read. And I, I, it took a long time to figure out why, but it was like, I, my mind would wander. I get lost. I, it felt like I was starting and stopping a lot. So I'm like, what would this look like if, if it, if it was just a big book, right? Cause we read books, that have chapters and it's a full page of text and you can zoom through that and stay immersed in the, in the, 
in in the book easier. And so I I did. I found a Bible like that. It had no no uh, verse. Oh, no number, chapters and verses. No section head. Like all the oh. man-made additions to to be able to reference the text was removed, and it was one page per sheet. And interestingly, you you could really do some good reading. And this there was nothing to get in the way of of causing you to stop or pause or think about it, you know? And so yeah, I've really enjoyed that. Now, now it, 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 it's, it's a book called Immerse, the reading Bible, you know, and it's, it's just super accessible. And I personally, I found that to be real easy. And the kid, the kids, when I, when I force them to, to read the Bible with me, they're able to read it easier as well. Um, so for example, some of the, the New Testament letters, you know, they're, they're only a page or two, you know, when they're presented like this. And so it's, it's easier to, to, to start it and finish it. And you're like, Oh, that was, that was neat. You know? And then I found that I, there was a guy I ran across years ago and you, you guys can laugh this if you want, but it's probably the analogy that stuck in my head from the beginning that the, the the best way to enjoy like a book of the Bible is to just read through it, start to finish, like you mentioned, Pete. And, and then if you really want to learn it better, read it again, start to finish so that the whole story can kind of play through in your mind. And he used the analogy, you wouldn't watch a movie and stop it after five minutes to have a conversation about what's going on, what, what's developing in the action of this story. He's like, no, nah, you, you watch the movie and then you probably watch it again before you start to stop and be like, what is, what does all this really mean inside of it? And so I've always appreciated that perspective, you know, just That's enjoy funny. the reads, spend some time <laughs> immersed. And so Pete, I'm glad you, I'm glad you mentioned that as one of the, you know, important ways to approach God's word. You know, you mentioned and read it again. Uh, so probably I was out in ministry about eight years, and I came across a reading through the Bible in one year Bible study. And I didn't like the way it was laid out. It wouldn't really work for Sunday morning. So, But I said, I'm going to use that structure. So I have to write my own. And so I would read through the entire book, and it was one book a week, mm. you know, Ooh. you know. And for the everybody, it's like, okay, not everybody can read read that much. So I will, you know, I selected out here's the five chapters. But but for me, getting ready, I'd read through the whole book. And then I'd read through the whole book again, looking for, okay, what are the key chapters that I'll have to suggest? And then I'm skimming through it again, saying, okay, now what uh, ideas am I going to share and talk about in a one-hour Bible study? At the end of that Bible, Bible, that one-year Bible study, it was just such a pleasure to be able to say to people when they'd say, well, doesn't the Bible say? And I'd say, no, it doesn't. <laughs> because you, 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 you mentioned you read it, you read it, and then you read it again like you watch a movie, you know, a good movie. You, you watch it a second time, and you get something more out of it. Oh, yeah. Uh, and, and you do that a couple of times with one book. And, in fact, you know, that's one way to read the Bible too. It's like not cover to cover, but okay, I'm just going to read the same book, you know, three or four times mm -hmm. uh, to really get the how it all fits together. So there's a lot of different ways. Uh, yeah, 
sorry. I, 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 as soon as you went there, I, uh, my wife and I just went and saw the Barbie movie. Sorry. Um, yeah. No, no comment, Mike. It's, I know. Shut up. All right. Thank you. Uh, and all for all the listeners, laugh out loud. You can do whatever. But, um, there are, it's actually, um, another friend of mine, uh, another guy had seen it too. And he said, it's very thought provoking if you will allow it to be. And, and then that's that's how I kind of leaned in and it's like, holy cow, there are themes in here and there are there are narratives that are worth talking about, but I'd have to watch it again to be able to really, you know, pull out what are the things like this is worth talking about, like in our culture now. And so um, while we've got a little bit of time left, I, I want to address one thing that I have run into that sometimes breaks my heart Um and that's when I talk with parents who uh, usually have uh, older older kids. Like, you know, I'm I'm at 24, 22, 18. Um, so the the parenting of the younger years, we've we've missed those. Um, our faith wasn't particularly strong or active. Or I might look back at the first 10, 15 years of my marriage and say, "Man, I didn't do a lot of stuff good." And and Pete, you mentioned, okay. Uh, you know, you start again with God's grace. You start again with God's grace. But there is a there's an inertia that I've heard them talk about that it's just like, nah, I I have failed too much. I can't be that. Or the kids have moved out, and now it's just, you know, the the, the husband and wife, and this is a new concept. And how how do we begin when I've never lived my life? thinking about it this way. And and there's some reminders that I haven't lived it this way. I don't want those people to give up on this reality, but rather find hope and an encouragement to let's start today then, uh, because God can still do something. How do you speak um, to maybe an older family that hasn't participated in the family church this way before? How did they begin again? I think it's it's really important to just say it starts with me and so okay lord well you know if, if god's word hasn't been a big part of my life uh as a parent then it starts with me and god willing it starts with you and your spouse uh and as you are in god's word for yourself reading and worshiping in the big church, you know, mm-hmm. that your adult children will see. Because we still have influence, even as, uh, even when our kids are adults. Uh, but our influence is not, you must do this. It's, wow, that looks like it's working for them. And as you were talking, uh, I was thinking, pray for brain cancer. Now, that sounds awful, and I've apologize for those of you who are struggling with cancer right now but i just think of my good friend 1313 i don't even remember his name off the top of my head he just came through church on one january and said trying to curse me my my offering offering box number is 1313 and he laughed i called him 1313 from then on every time we walked through church and uh he had a son who wasn't in worship and, you know, he was trying to get his son into worship. And when he had brain cancer and he was going to die, he could talk to his son very easily about his faith. 
So, you know, trust, you know, build yourself up and then just trust God will give you the opportunities. And maybe not you, but maybe you are the, they're seeing something different in you and you have just helped them move from Z to Y to X on the, you know, maybe you're not going to be the one who brings them all the way to A and they're a super strong Christian, but maybe at that point in your life, your role is just to help them have a positive more positive feeling about the Christian faith. It's mm. good. Paul, quick, quick thought on that. Well, Pete, I'm glad you, you jumped into this and Mike asked, thanks for asking the question. You know, one thing that really it, it caught my attention in that is that we haven't mentioned it so far, but the importance of the, the, it is your relationship first with Jesus, right? That needs to be whole and intact before you can possibly influence somebody else, including your wife or husband or your children. And, you know, that, that is truly where it begins that, that time alone to be in a place of, you know, understanding who God is and where we are with God to be able to share that and then encourage everybody in our sphere of influence in our home, right? to to do the same and and so it is just as important for parents to work together as husband and wife on their relationship and that in itself is a modeling of God's design right that mm. we love each other and we're going to show you you kids what love looks like in how we love each other and how we come to God together so that, and and that really is such an important and sadly kind of disappearing example of probably the primary horizontal relationship we have in this world is husband and wife, you know, together in that sig the significance of that healthy relationship and what it has on kids overall, you know, so that they can see that commitment live out what it means to, to really love one another the way yeah. that, you know, God asks us to love him. Right. So, Hey, it's just, you know, it's super important to 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 be a team, right? All inclusive in it, and it, it it just starts with us as individuals, of course. And wherever you're at, I mean, that's the important thing. Like, there's no, it's never too late to 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 share the good news with people around you, you know, and talk about it. So, in my my touring, sometimes I get a chance when I'm talking with. Um... Especially it's it's oftentimes as parents of kids who are in, in their college years or in their twenties who've um maybe were grown up with some experience with Jesus, but then have kind of walked away and the parents oftentimes will ask me, you know, if I have advice or thoughts and and the 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 one the one is painful. Pete, it kind of goes to what you have said. Uh, as as parents, we tend to pray for our our kids' safety. Um, but if you pray for the soul of your child, um, sometimes the prayer for safety is not an answerable prayer. It's kind of you get to pick one or the other. <laughs> um, I I've oftentimes seen that by the time you get to be about twenty five, there's some pretty hardcore beliefs it's like concrete that's setting around your feet. And uh, it's not to say that God can't knock that concrete off, but it's going to take now a sledgehammer instead of just pulling you out of it. Um, it's going to take some, some real work and it's going to be painful. 
So that's one. But the other one was a, a woman gave me a piece of advice that I, I was really helpful for me. And I try to remember this now. She said, as a parent um, or as, a, as somebody who, who's an example to somebody that you love, might be a relative or a friend, do today what you want to see your kids doing in 20 years. You do today what you want to see your kids doing in 20 years. And so for all the parents that are out there, Pete, I thank you keep for keep coming back to grace because, man, that's what we celebrate in our worship. And if it's grace is not a part of our family church, uh, you don't have a church. I just I don't think you can have it without it. <laughs> um, but number two, if you if you're like, man, I've blown it. My kids are older and I, I rant. I can't we can't do this. Start again. Start today with you living and walking in a relationship personally with Jesus you start today and ask God in 20 years, I pray that it will be so for my kids. So we're going to, we're going to um, kind of close off our time on the family church. We wanted to have these two podcasts and um, give these two guys, Pastor Pete and, and our family minister, Paul Schuster, a chance to speak into this topic because you're going to hear us talking about it in our sermon series on the family church. Um, during the late part of August and early September here at St. Paul's in the Bridge. And that those resources and podcasts will be online and available for you as well. Uh, but this is a core value of our church. This is something that we think is very helpful for people to understand how the family and the functional church and the Big C Church all work together uh, to make much about Jesus and uh, to finish our race strong. So, Paul, thank you. Pete, thank you for, for being a part of these conversations. And uh, for the rest of you, thanks for listening in. Uh, you're again listening to great questions, great conversations. We hope that this has been helpful. And uh, if you've got questions on the family church, if you've got some scenarios that you're wondering about, we would like to keep talking about this uh, subject as often as we can. So if you've got questions, let us know. Our email information is in the show notes on whatever platform you're listening to us on. I'm Mike Westendorf. Again, this is Great Questions, Great Conversations out of St. Paul's in the Bridge in Muskego, Wisconsin. We'll see you again next time.